Welcome to the Faith Debate on News Radio 930 WFMD. Thanks for spending part of your Sunday morning with us. If you're listening on the radio or part of whatever day it is, if you're listening to the podcast later on, appreciate you very much. We're working our way through the 19 or the 19. Boy, I'm stuck in the wrong millennium. The uh, 2018 statement on social justice and the gospel. Um, we've done two shows. This will be our third. This might be the last one on this particular uh, subject matter. If you want to get more information about what's gone, what's the issues that are raised in this statement, you can go to uh, a couple other documents because you might have noticed, uh, gentlemen, some overlap with the, the Danvers statement and the Nashville statement, the kinds of issues. There is some overlap there. So if you want to get more meat on the bones of some of the things that are just skeletally outlined here, you can go to the Danvers statement and the Nashville statement. We've actually done shows on those statements recently as well, once from 1987, once from 2017, and now we're up to 2018. So we read last week, by the way, uh, Imran Razvi and Daniel Razvi from uh, the church that meets at Imran's house in Thurmont and also Conquered by Love uh, Ministries, conqueredbylove.org is their website, are also uh, on, on the show to finish this. Last week, we read the complementarianism section which is a section number 11 of 14. So we are heading down the home stretch. And Daniel shared a couple of thoughts before the, the show ended, but this is a big hot button issue. Um, it's a third rail issue for a lot of conversations. You can lose friends over this one. So, because right, there's plenty of churches that even though they reject homosexuality, oh, we would never have a gay pastor. But I mean, why can't a woman be a, be a pastor? I mean, she's saved and she's, and, and, and maybe you have a very small church and, out of all the members in the congregation, there's no men that are very uh, qualified or as deep in the word. And this one woman who's older and, and more experienced and knows everything and she knows all the doctrines, why can't she be the one preaching? Doesn't it make logical sense? And I mean, no, whether it makes logical sense or not is irrelevant because God did command. This is what the way it must be. And part of that is God, God knows best. We don't know exactly why in, in all situations, but also God is trying to give a picture of the way Christ and and the church. There's the the husband is is the the head and the wife is is to follow and the the church should be a picture of that, just like uh, the marriage is a picture of that. Our relationship with Christ. So it is very important. Yeah. So churches that have uh, decided to ordain uh, women as pastors mm-hmm. are in clear disagreement with what the scriptures say. And for, for that matter, uh, churches that, that decide to ordain men that are not married, like the Catholic Church, are in clear violation of what the scripture says. It says that there must be a husband of one wife. Um, I think that that's a very uh, big deal. Is, is it as big of a deal as the female pastors? I, I don't know. I, I almost would say it is because both of them are clearly going against what the scripture very specifically lays out. They're both violations. Um, you know, one is, at least it's, it's still a man, but it does say not any man can be a pastor. You have to be qualified. And that's what this, this passage says. Qualified men alone are to lead, right? So not just any man. Um, but I think, that, I think that's very important as well. I would push back against what the Catholic Church has done, which is to say uh, that, you know, men should not be buried. Yeah, that's a different issue than the complementarianism one. That might be a, 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 actually a good topic because I'm not entirely sure. I'm trying to think, like, what do we do? with the churches that were led by the Apostle Paul. Wasn't, he, didn't, he didn't lead the churches. He planted he them not, and started them. He was, by default, he was the he, leader He was the a start. missionary and, pa- and pastor, I mean, I mean uh, traveling preacher, but I don't think he was uh, leading a com- congregation. He wasn't an elder in the <clears throat> congregation. And I would argue that he was probably married and maybe his wife had died, but uh, it would be very, very hard for somebody of that stature 
at that time not to have been married. Because I've always understood that more in the sense of it, you know, uh, being a, a statement against polygamy as opposed to singleness. Well, I think both, because it does say it must. Otherwise, it would say not having more than one wife. It would say it, it says he must be the husband of one yeah. wife. Well, well, but whatever. That, I, I know gonna, you, you. I agree with you. That's not really what this passage yeah, is talking I'm gonna, about. I'm going to make a note so I don't forget. But um, because that that would be an interesting t uh, show topic, married right. men only for pastors. pastors. I mean, Cool. Yeah. But so we anyway. are in agreement that women should not be pastors, regardless of how well qualified and knowledgeable in the doctrine as they are. Um, there's plenty of support roles they can play, and they, and they could also be very influential in training other women, but not to be leading the church. And it's not that women aren't great and wonderful. The statement goes out of its way to say how wonderful women are. That's not the point. The point is, what are the roles? Now, I know in today's confused world, uh, men can have babies too, supposedly, right? <laughs> so I, I, I get that. But biblically defined, <laughs> men cannot have children. Does that make men lesser than women? Well, in the childbearing <laughs> bearing way, maybe, I don't know. But women uh, can't impregnate someone else. Like we, we have different roles, different uses. And one of the problems we have in the, in the, in the culture and in the church right now is passive men. Men who don't want to step up, don't want to do hard things. They don't lead in their church. They don't lead in their home. They don't necessarily even lead at work. They're too busy worrying about their, you know, their fantasy football league or something. Like they're just not, they're not engaged in being leaders. And, and so they abdicate that responsibility. And we end up in a situation like Deborah in the Old Testament. She's like, all right, if you guys aren't going to do it, I guess I will. So and even Deborah said, look, this is to your shame. Exactly. If I'm leading, I'm, I'm going out with you to, to be on the sidelines when you're in battle, you, I'm shaming you by doing this. You do realize that. And, he, and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I get it. He, and didn't, we, he didn't get it. And we see this as a core problem all the way back to the very beginning. Because in the garden, the serpent tempts Eve, and Adam's right there. But he doesn't step up in leadership as, hey, Mr. Serpent, sir, may I interrupt you for a moment? Don't speak to my wife. Talk to me. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't intervene and take headship. Interesting. I actually never thought of the idea that Adam was standing right there. I always assumed he was just in another part of the garden at the time. Yeah, no. I, well, it, it doesn't say and Adam standing there. But you, as you read the narrative, she took an eight and gave to her husband. And he yeah. Made. The, so it's it, like the, it kind of happened at the same time. The implication uh, is that he's he's has to be probably standing there, kind of thing. But anyway. Uh, and so men are all too eager to abdicate the leadership responsibilities that they should step into, and the world would be better. If we had more fathers who were actually doing what fathers do, right? If we had more men involved in church, you go to the average church, and it's a lot of women compared to the men. There's more women than men at most churches. Mm -hmm. that, that's a problem. And so the women, of course, are all too eager to then step in and, and take that role on. So the men are... Their 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 fallen fleshly instinct so, so is to what, sin against what they've been called to so do. So, what would you say to somebody that says, "Well, there must be an exception to this woman past the rule"? I mean, see, look at Deborah; she was a pro, uh, a prophetess and, and a judge. And why can't women? I mean, if there is no well, first make sure there's no qualified men. But if there aren't any, well, why can't we have the woman be the pastor? What would you say to somebody that asks you that question sincerely? Yeah. Well, first of all, I I, I think we would have to create a scenario. Uh, that's not just you know live action role playing, just LARPing. Um, 
you're stranded on a desert island somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it's a bunch of Christians, and all the men are killed in the accident, left everybody stranded, and there's nobody there. To, 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 maybe there's a, there's a couple of men, but they're they're unconscious and they're weak, and they can, they can't do it. So could the woman take the role of the pastor in that scenario? You know, I don't know. I'd have to think about that and 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 gameplay that out. But the reason I'm bringing that up is that's not the situation that we're in, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It's 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 a total fantasy that like there are no men. In in Frederick County, I will I will agree that there are there's a a a, a, a very limited number of faithful men leading churches in Frederick County. They exist, but they're limited. But they exist. <laughs> so go to one of those churches. It's it's so it, it's it's like you said um, uh, was it last week, Daniel? Well, okay, if I give you this one exception, you'll grant everything else. Okay, so in the ex- in the extreme rare possible scenario where there are no men except for like you know invalids who you know are physically speak yeah or whatever could we then okay if i grant you that will you admit then that women can't be pastors in all these other situations well no 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 it's the same kind of an argument right right it's it's like it's absurd we're arguing absurdities it's ridiculous that's 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 my my view good point so this time i'll read the affirmation okay we affirm god made all people from one man. Though people often can be distinguished by different ethnicities and nationalities, they are ontological equals before God in both creation and redemption. Race is not a biblical category, but rather a social construct. People often say gender is a social construct. We're saying here race is a social construct that often has been used to classify groups of people in terms of inferiority and superiority. All that is good, honest, just, and beautiful in various ethnic backgrounds and experiences can be celebrated as the fruit of God's grace. All sinful actions and their results, including evils perpetrated between and upon ethnic groups by others, are to be confessed as sinful, repented of, and repudiated. We deny that Christians should segregate themselves into racial groups or regard racial identity above or even equal to their identity in Christ. We deny that any divisions between people groups from an unstated attitude of superiority to an overt spirit of resentment have any legitimate place in the fellowship of the redeemed. We reject any teaching that encourages racial groups to view themselves as privileged oppressors or entitled victims of oppression. While we are to weep with those who weep, we deny that a person's feelings of offense or oppression necessarily necessarily prove that someone else is guilty of sinful behavior, uh, oppression, or prejudice. Mm. So if I were to improve this, under the article, the Roman numeral 12, they have race slash ethnicity. I wish they had just put ethnicity. And then later on, they say race is not a biblical category. So if it's not a category, why is it in the header? I think <laughs> it, because it's it's generally used term in today's language. Yeah, but I, I'm, what I'm saying is we should be pushing back against that and not using it this generally used term it, that it, it doesn't mm-hmm. it's 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 not a category it's a social construct i yeah it's a small thing but we, we, it's not going to win the war changing that but continuing to make these unforced errors they, they accumulate over time it just right. it's like yeah. a pet peeve of mine maybe so. i like that they're very clear right you can't uh we re- reject any teaching that encourages racial groups to view themselves as privileged oppressors and all the uh blm people say yeah yeah we agree <laughs> or entitled victims of oppression. So you can't view yourself as either one of those, right? And that uh, it is wrong to have a feeling of prejudice towards another group 
regardless of whether they historically have oppressed or been oppressed. Either side of it, whatever side they're on, right? So the the whole idea, and we'll get to racism in, in a little bit down there because they have another section that says racism. But I, I like that they they put that there. And everybody came from one man. Mm-hmm. We all came from Adam. He was probably brown, halfway between everybody else in the world, and create all these variations, right? But I don't know what he looked like. But the point is, we all came from Adam. And I, th- I thought it was very interesting. There is more, you may have heard this before, but scientifically, there's more genetic variation in whether someone's earlobe is touching, the bottom of the earlobe is touching their cheek or, or disattached from their cheek. There's more genetic variation in that than the blackest person to the whitest person. So the people with the earlobe touching the cheek are clearly oppressed. <laughs> of course. <laughs> They're different at least. Yeah, and I do like that at the, in the affirmation they begin with, you know, people can be distinguished by different ethnicities, nationalities, their ontological equals before God. Because you probably have heard this. Somebody says, look, why are we making it about somebody's skin color? I don't even see color. And they say, oh, so you don't see co-. That's not what they mean. When somebody says, when I look at someone, I don't see color, what they're saying is, they're not saying, well, I don't see your ethnicity. I don't see your heritage. I don't see your background. I don't see what you actually look like <laughs> to my eyeball. They're not saying, and they're not saying they don't value those things. What they're saying is they're not seeing you as an ontolo- un- ontological, hard word for me to say all of a sudden, unequal before God. They're saying, I'm seeing you as an equal. The color of your skin is not, so I'm not, in regard to that, I don't see color. We'd have to be blind to not see the color of somebody's skin, but if that changes the way in which you're going to interact with them, then you're seeing color in a way that's unfavorable and not good. And that's what they're meaning to say. They, by that. They, the argument has been changed, right? Because it used to be from from the left, um, or from not necessarily from the left, but from the the whole anti-racism or you know um, black rights movement or whatever um, that you should and Martin Luther King has talked about hey we should not be seeing color and then now when people are saying that's what I am no you need to and also you should be treating us differently like that's kind of going backwards from you know it's it's on the other side but it's still a prejudice it's still a, it's a problem and and, and they don't want to be treated equally the ones who are advocating this, they want to be treated differently. And you know that when uh, during the presidential campaigns, when this became a big issue and uh, O'Malley was running and it was one of those town hall things. And somebody asked him the question of if he believed that black lives matter and he wasn't hip to the argument at the time. So he said, well, of course, black lives matter. All lives matter. And he got booed. So they don't want it that we're all equal and all of our lives matter. No, ours are special, unique, separate. It's like they've, they're going backwards in time, though, right? It's Absolutely. segregation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're segregating themselves. I mean, yep. it's not about the color of the skin. It's about your posture, about your language, about your dress, about how you behave, how you portray yourself. And, I mean, I've seen many videos of young black men behaving really disrespectfully and aggressively toward police officers, and then you wonder why police officers are reacting that way. It's, it's not because of the race. It's because of how you're acting. And... I'm not trying to compare uh, human beings to animals, but I'm just trying to make an analogy somebody could relate to. If you see a poodle and, and, uh, and it's a cute, docile poodle, you're going to react differently than if you see a German shepherd, particularly if once upon a time a, a German shepherd was aggressive towards you, right? was barking and tried to bite you and stuff. 
the German, every time you see a German shepherd, it might be the most docile German shepherd ever. Be like, oh, that German shepherd scares me. You're going to be on guard against that. The poodles, the docile little cute little fluffy fluff ball, you're not going to react the same way. But see, but see, critical race theory says that you never even saw a German shepherd in your life. But 300 years ago, your ancestor saw a German shepherd and didn't like it. And therefore, you're predisposed to hate German shepherds. And that's that's the... The argument that the uh, critical race theory is, is making is that there's nothing you can do about it. You're just naturally yeah, prejudiced. And sometimes we do have prejudices that are kind of wired into us because of our upbringing, because our great-grandparents were prejudiced people, and they raised prejudiced kids who raised prejudiced kids who raised you. And you might have some of that. And if that's the case, then you call that out and say, Imran, stop being prejudiced. But I can't look at him and say, Imran, stop your great-great-great-great-grandfather being prejudiced. Right. He's dead 200 years. <laughs> what do you mean? Stop. You know, you can't do, you can't do it. You exactly. can't put it back in the bottle. So, again, I come back to, you know, it's how you speak, how you look, how, how you dress, how you portray yourself. That makes a huge impact. Yeah. Color has very little bearing on what I see. So let's look at uh, – that's a good segue into the next one, which is culture. Um, so it says, we affirm that some cultures operate on assumptions that are inherently better than those of other cultures because of the biblical truths that inform those worldviews that have produced these distinct assumptions. That's a, that's a dangerous statement. Oh, my culture's better than yours. So we'll get to that. Those it's elements, true, though. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> those elements of a given culture that reflect divine revelation should be celebrated and promotion. And, and sorry, and promoted. But the various cultures out of which we have been called all have features that are worldly and sinful. And therefore, those sinful features should be repudiated for the honor of Christ. We affirm that whatever evil influences to which we have been subjugated via our culture can be and must be overcome through conversion and the training of both mind and heart through biblical truth. We deny that individuals and subgroups in any culture are unable by God's grace to rise above whatever moral defects or spiritual deficiencies have been engendered or encouraged by their respective cultures. Yeah, people, the ugly American, right? You think America is a special country. Well, not so much anymore these days, but <laughs> for a long, long time, yes, because it was founded on biblical truth. It was founded on the, the best aspects of English common law, which was good stuff. And, you know, and so there was a moral spine to what was going on. And so there was something in our culture that made us better than other cultures. There's a reason why we had more success and we, we won the wars instead of losing them and have lots of right. nice things instead of living in, in grass huts with nothing. And, uh, yeah, there's definitely something to be said that's true about that. But, but what I think the point they're making here is the culture, the aspects of your culture that have their roots in the Bible that makes your culture better than someone else's culture who has a different assumption that is inherently unbiblical, right? If your culture, uh, is a cannibalist culture, well, that part of it is clearly unbiblical, and my culture that does not eat people is in all ways superior to that part of your culture, right? So, but because not because I'm morally repulsed uh, by that because of my upbringing, but not because of that, but because the Bible and what the Bible teaches that don't eat other people, right? That's a, it's a clear example that I think most people, hopefully, all people listening can agree with. I think it's it's really important that, uh, to. You can celebrate differences in cultures, as, as they're saying here, but make sure what you're celebrating is actually founded in Scripture or, or backed up by Scripture. And at the very least, that Scripture doesn't teach against 
whatever cultural thing is happening. But I think you should have some grace for the culture that you were brought up in. You, you're trained to look through certain eyes. And maybe you think that the Bible has some place for this, but maybe there, you can make a good argument that there's this, this is also biblical and right. And we talked about honor and shame in the show in the past, and many Christians will say that honor is the same as arrogance because they, don't, they haven't thought that through, that there, is, there are two different things, right? So just because you're all focused on honor doesn't mean you're a prideful person. It means that's, that's a culture which you could also find in the Bible. So I think you want to be careful rather than to say, well, based on my cultural understanding of the Bible, your culture is, is not biblical. So I, I, would, I would want to be a little bit treading lightly um, when we deal with culture. But certainly if something's unbiblical, then that's, that's not good. Yeah, the more in line with the Bible it is, the better it's going to be. And if, if, if the culture mirrors that, then it's, it's a better culture. And when I was a kid, you know, that idea, I don't think we use the terms. When I was a kid, I certainly didn't. Our culture, but our country, our people, our way of life was better than the USSR's. And boy, do we get excited about the Olympics, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. You know, that's why the USA hockey team winning in 1980 was such a big deal because the USSR, they had these 38-year-old seasoned vets, grizzled veterans of hockey, and they were all hopped up on performance-enhancing drugs probably, and they were, they, they were pros playing in an amateur sport, and they were cheating. And we got a bunch of snot-nosed, you know, 18- and 19-year-old kids uh, taking them on, but they're Americans, and they won. So even our kids, our snot-nosed kids can beat you guys because we're better than you. And you know what? We were better than them. I'm not sure that we're so be much better than them anymore, but we were better, and it's okay to, ad to admit that. But who are you to say that you're better or, or, or worse than somebody else is the pushback you get. Um, who are you to say that cannibalism is wrong? <laughs> well, I'm not, nobody to say that cannibalism is wrong, but God is. And I think that's the point that people miss. Who are you to say this? What expert have you listened to? Are you an expert? At no, but God is. And what God says we have to do, whether we like it or not, whether we understand it or not, always we have to be, have an obedience to God. And the thing that's interesting is people, well, what if I'm not a, I don't even believe in God? Well, I'm going to use your phrase a different way. God is. Yes. Whether you believe in him or not, he uh, is. Vody Bakum said it very well. <laughs> you go up in, in, in a fencing, in, in a duel, you have a sword, and, and, the, and the guy comes up to you and says, I don't believe in your sword. And you're like, okay, well, I'm going to cut you with my sword that you don't believe in. Here it goes, right? You can't, at a certain point, yeah, it's, things exist. God exists. So we have time for the last one. Well, we... um, not really. We've got less than two minutes. So I'm not even sure if we could read the whole thing in less than two minutes. So we might have to... Uh, do another show that's focusing almost exclusively on racism and maybe some other uh, things that might uh, strike our, our fancy to, okay. to flesh out the show if we don't have 25 minutes worth of content on quote-unquote racism uh, what the Bible would define as partiality. Yeah, And there's different levels of racism too. I mean, the, the biggest conversation right now in today's world is systemic racism, which I am totally um, flabbergasted that people can think that, but let's talk about it next week. Okay. Sounds good. You up for that? Sure. All right. One more round next week. Let me move. I'm going to turn off my mic for a second to move it. See that? Huh? Huh? You can't even tell. If I didn't do that, you would hear it over. 
on the on the air. I was trying to avoid that. Anyway, this is the Faith of Eight on News Radio 930 WFMD. Uh, Imran Razvi, Daniel Razvi, uh, they have a church in Thurmont. Um, I, I think you can probably find evidence of them online somewhere if you look really, really hard. But they don't have a website or anything. But it's the, the church that meets at Imran's house, I think, is what they kind of call themselves. Right? Ministries also has this listed. Who does? 119 Ministries. 119 Ministries has you listed? Okay. So NCFIC, uh, National Center for Family Integrated Churches, we're listed there. Okay. So if you go to these other websites, you can find them. Uh, so they're piggybacking on other people's websites. Yes. Very clever. Way to um, uh, delegate. Uh, I, I haven't been clever enough to do that, so we actually have a website. Mine is Household of Faith in Christ. Uh, .com, Household of Faith in Christ is the name of the church, and you had the .com, and there you go. And they also have a ministry that has a website. It's Conquered by Love Ministries, and their website is conqueredbylove.org. And, of course, the radio station you're listening to right now has a website. You should plug that, too, I guess, wfmd.com. Go to the Faith Abate page there. You can get a, a, a look at previous shows, link to all the podcasts there, or you can go to my website and do that as well. Or you can get a preview of what's going to be coming up. Usually that those previews drop on Friday. So on Fridays, you want to look and see what's going to be talked about on Sunday, go to WFMD.com and do that. Until next week, 167 and a half hours from right now, God bless. Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com.